with all those that he encountered. So in this series, you'll see uh, week after week, and we will have discussion time afterwards about what we watch. And, um, but as, as, he, as he goes through meeting various people, uh, when he comes in contact with the lepers and various ones, the disciples and all that, you'll, it, this series really um, focuses in on the relational aspect and how much that relational aspect he wants with you, uh, us, and with um, those who don't know Christ yet. So if you can, we're starting this Wednesday, like I said, the following Wednesday, and as every Wednesday, the first of the month, is our prayer Wednesday. So we won't be doing a a video in class that night, but we will be gathering still for prayer uh, the first Wednesday of the month throughout the summer. But other Wednesdays, we will be gathering in there and watching this video and then having discussion. Myself or Charles or Frank Moorhead will be leading those nights. So come, bring somebody, and I think you'll really enjoy it and it will really be beneficial to all of us. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Frank. It should be a nice time. Wednesday nights are always, uh, small groups are always fun to get together and chat and share. So it should be very, very exciting and enlightening. Amen. Uh, kids, you may be dismissed. Teens, uh, others may take out your Bibles. And guys, if I could have the house lights just for a moment, because I want to make sure I see everybody's face. If I'm starting to teach false doctrine, I want people to look at me and glare. So hallelujah. Open your Bibles to Philippians. And also, by the way, Uh, you might have noticed a new uh, praise team member there. We have uh, Jim Gamina, who was part of Emmanuel a long, 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 long time ago. uh, But uh, anyway, he um, is playing the bass, so hallelujah. We're expanding a bit. Amen. Take your Bibles, Philippians. We are continuing through Philippians, actually starting Philippians, and we have... uh, in this wonderful book, if you ha- if you need the outline, it is out in the information uh, area of the lobby, and we are looking into just the first several verses so far. We're talking about Paul's report, Paul's report uh, of what is happening in his life. And last week we talked about the first couple verses. Let's just read the first few verses down through verse uh, six, and we'll be talking about probably just verses three, four, and five today. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day till now, being confident of this very thing. Oh, how wonderful this is, isn't it? That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, that's just so wonderful. So we'll be sharing some thoughts from these, and I want to just give you again the quick background. We remember from last week that... um, Philippi, the letter to whom uh, Paul was writing, the city of Philippi, the Philippian church, uh, was actually uh, founded. There was no Jewish synagogue there because there were not enough Jews there, so they met in a uh, household named Lydia, Lydia Seller of Purple, and uh, they met in her house. That was the beginning of the church, and Paul had a special connection with them because now that Paul is in prison or in custody under Rome, 
they, are, uh, they were the first ones to send him a love offering. And so he remembers that love offering. So this letter of Philippians is a letter of thanksgiving. It's a letter of joy and being written from jail. Wow, how wonderful that is. How many know <laughs> that we need more joy and thanksgiving right now, don't we? We need more joy and thanksgiving. And then he said in those first few verses that we talked about last week, grace and peace, two wonderful things, grace with the Lord, peace to to everybody. And he lists those four categories of slaves, separate people, that's us, overseers and servants. So we are all slaves to Jesus. We're all separated to him. We're all we are overseeing each other and we are servants one for the other. So today we're going to hit four quick points and we're going to talk about thinking, praying, being joyful unto the end. So we are always, he said, every time I think upon you, of every remembrance and every prayer. So four points today. Always thinking, verse 3. Always praying, verse 4. Always joyful, verse 4. And until the end, never stopping until the end. So we're always thinking, we're always praying, we're always joyful, and we want to, our goal is to get all the way to the end. How many do not want to stop seven-eighths of the way? I don't. We want to get all the way. We want to get all the way. So, so let's, let's talk about this first one. First point, always thinking. In, in uh, verse 3, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance. So he's always thinking. I know, I know for some of us, the remembrance part is going. <laughs> Getting a little harder to remember every day, but we keep trying. But every time we do remember, that's, that's us thinking. And there are actually two parts to this, because he says remembrance in verse 3, then he says prayer in verse 4. And this two aspects of these, I believe, are back-to-back, remembrance and prayer, remembrance and prayer. And remembrance actually can mean recital. That's one of the, the, the derivations of the Greek word there, recital, or to recite. And prayer literally just means in verse 4, petition. We're asking. We're asking. So it's a recital and it's, and it's an asking. So let's look first at the word recital. Uh, this is not a repeated recitation or a formula or a set of words. I believe what Paul is getting at here when he talks about recital is he's talking about a continuing mental process. How many know that if you let your minds wander they will not, it, your minds will never wander into the things of the spirit, will they? Your minds will always wander into the things of the flesh. Always. So there needs to be a capturing of every thought, Paul says, to the obedience of Christ. So it's a, it's a constant, continuing process. We always need to tune our minds to the frequency of heaven, don't we? We always need to tune our minds to the frequency of the word. We need to tune our minds to the frequency of the, of the word and not the world. You know, there's only one, only one letter difference there, isn't there? Word, world, only one letter, L. And, and it's really easy for us to keep that frequency tuned to the world and the things around us. We've got to tune out the noise and the dissonance of the visible world and consistently tune into the invisible world where our answers are. Instead of listening to the attitudes and appetites of our flesh, we need to tune our minds into the ap- attitudes and appetites of the Word of God. We listen to what the Word says and we do it. You know, it is so easy to tune in the flesh. If you could picture a radio dial, well, sorry for some of you. There used to be a thing we called a radio, and it had a dial where you turned the knob and the little thing moved across and you'd tune in a station. And uh, it, it, when, when you look at it in the attitude of the flesh, 
it seems like that whole dial is one station, isn't it? Flesh. And no matter where you turn that dial, you're going to tune into the flesh. If you want to get the things of the Spirit, you have to fine-tune, don't you? You have to go all the way to one side and find that one. And there it is. You don't, it's easy to find the flesh. It's easy to find that channel. But we need to fine-tune it to where it's at. We need to tune out the bad attitude, the hurtful thought, the emotional negativity. And we're going to talk about this more in Philippians, the fourth chapter, where Paul says, whatever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and virtuous, if there's anything praiseworthy, if there's anything of good report, think on these things. If you look at your life right now, if I could digress for just a second, and you look, at, you look at everything you're hearing, everything you're seeing, everything that's happening in the visible world. Can you tell me anything that is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and virtuous? Well, you, you, she said, well, pastor, what do we listen to? Say it, Donna. The word. This is, this is it, folks. This is all. Everything else is nonsense right now. Everything else. Not right now. Since Adam and Eve ate the fruit, it became nonsense. So we, we've got to concentrate on that. And, and we'll spend more time on that because in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, one of my favorite words, uh, that word think, is actually meditate on these things. And the word is logetsomai in the Greek. And it literally means to reckon or to count or to reason. We'll probably spend a whole sermon just on that. To reckon and count and reason. You've got to reckon that brain. You've got to count and recount that brain. Very important. As per last week, we found out that we were slaves and we have a new owner. Hallelujah. And we need to think like that new owner. Not like the old slave owner, but the new one. So we do not think like Fox News or CNN or your grumpy uncle or that bitter coworker you're going to be with tomorrow, right? We don't think that way. We don't think recession. We don't think nuclear war. We trust. We don't think lack. We don't think... Let me see. Uh, I know my mother, my aunt. I know Donna, uh, uh, Vi. How many of you, you went through the depression basically, right? Guess what? You're still here. My my mother always says, we didn't even know it. We were all poor. (laughs) We were all farmers. We were all poor. You made it through the worst time in American history, and here you are healthier and older than the rest of us. So, so trust. We don't need to tune into fear, do we? We tune into trust. We tune into a heavenly father that loves us and is going to take care of us at every level. So always thinking, always thinking. And then that leads us to the next verse, verse 4. Always in every prayer. So always thinking. And second is always praying, always praying. I like to call this constant devotion because Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5 says, pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. So that that tells us one thing that's very important. It is okay to pray with your eyes open. (laughs) So when you're driving down the road, you can still pray. Don't think you have to be religious and close your eyes. If you do, all of the answers to your prayers will come true. (laughs) 
So it's constant devotion. Devotions are not something you do in the morning. Devotions are something that you are. It's a state of being. Prayer is not something that you do. Prayer is really is something that you are. It's a lifestyle of communication. Prayer is very little asking and very much communion. It's in that time of worship and prayer that, and exercising our spiritual language and meditation that a lot of our requests are answered because we receive divine direction. There are many times when we're in prayer that some of our requests will be shown to be foolish and fleshly. Ever that ever happened to you? There are some times in, in prayer our requests will be shown to be already answered. And we just didn't know it because we were tuned out to the Spirit and tuned into other things. So always praying. You say, well, well wait a minute. Why should we always pray? Why, why does Paul always talk about this prayer and this thing? Well, number one, we always need to pray because we sin too much. We are always in need of his grace and his mercy all the time. Number two, God speaks too much. He's always talking. Always talking. Oh, I just can't hear what the Lord is saying. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You know you, you, know you do hear him. You're just not wanting to hear what he's saying. So he, he is speaking. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. What, what, what was it? Elijah? The still. The Lord's, the Lord's voice was not in the earthquake. It wasn't in the fire. It wasn't in the windstorm. It was in the still, small voice behind him saying, this is the way. So we hear it. So we sin too much. God speaks too much. And we don't hear well enough. We just get confused in our hearing. So we all need constant prayer, constant devotion, constant thought, constant. And, and remember, last week we said that we are separate people. We're separated from the world and we're separated to him. So we're separated from the confusion and the calamity and the heartache and all that to his kingdom. And we need to listen to that kingdom. So we're going to actually do something a little different today, and we're going we're gonna to delve into this just a little bit more, and I'm going to use the Lord's Prayer with this, and uh, as you know, I've said it before, I don't, I use the, the New King James, or whatever, I don't get into debates over translations, I use the New King James, and, uh, but in my devotional reading sometime, I, I love the, the message, because it just says so many, so many cool things, and let me read what the message says in Matthew, the sixth chapter, uh, when, when uh, Jesus is talking about prayer. He starts off, and we know Jesus said, don't pray, number one, as the hypocrites. Of course, he was talking to the Pharisees with their long phylacteries and their loud prayers out in the street corners. He says, they're, 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 that's just religious nonsense. So we don't pray as the hypocrites uh, to be shown among men. And he says, and we don't pray as the heathen with vain repetitions over and over and over again. So he puts it this way, and this is so wonderful. And when you come before God, don't turn it into a theatrical production. All these people making a regular show of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Do you think God's sitting in a box seat watching you? The world is so full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice. They're peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. And don't pray as though you were putting on a theatrical religious show. And don't pray as though you were bombarding a heathen god with a whole bunch of ornate words and orations. You are praying to a heavenly father that loves you. We're conversing. We're talking. And of course, we know how that whole section ends. He says, your father knows what you have need of even before you ask. Isn't that something? So, I enlisted three people. Say we're going to do something a little differently today. And I'm going to ask Charles, Frank, and Sandy to come up. And, and this is not a sermon illustration. 
okay? Really, this, well, it's not a sermon illustration, but I'm using it to illustrate something in my sermon. (laughs) This is not a sermon illustration. I want you to engage this, because what we're going to do is I'm going to have each of them lead a section of this prayer. We're going to talk about, Charles is going to talk about setting the world right, the kingdom, and what the kingdom means. And Frank is going to talk about keeping us alive with our needs being met. And Sandy's going to talk about keeping us safe from the devil. And I'm just going to have them pray. And before they pray, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just take a moment in your mind. I want you to think about the things you've been praying for. Unsaved loved ones. We all know that, right? Financial needs might be. Maybe you are unemployed and you're looking for, for employment somewhere. Maybe it's a physical condition. You're sick. You're not doing well physically. Whatever it is, whatever the need is, I want you to place that in your mind. And as these pray, I want you to pray along with them. And we're going to practice what Jesus said. And we're going to pray together. Is it okay to pray together in the middle of a sermon? I think it is. So you know what? Let's just stand. And as we do this, let's just fasten our attention on what the Lord wants us to pray. Go ahead, Charlie. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We give you glory, Father, as we come to you, asking those things that we believe we need and knowing that you can fill that need, Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. When our Lord Jesus told the disciples that, he was laying down a foundation for them, a groundwork of how to pray. First of all, coming to their Father, who loves them, and asking that the will of the Lord, our Father, be done here on earth. Done how? Done for our families that we pray for, the lost ones in our families, for this society that we live in because it also is lost, that his will, his will be done. I was thinking about this before I came down, and we really need to know what the will of God is, right? before we pray. I was looking up a scripture, and I just want to share this with you. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know my plans. This is, I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, so no harm can come to you, and to give you hope. That is his will. And so we don't pray in vain. We pray knowing that God has a will. He has declared it. And we need to pray in that will. Now, thank you, Father, as we come to you. In Jesus' name, asking that you will cover us and that we live in your will and in your way. Thank you, Father. The uh, paper the pastor gave me this morning dealt with the provisional section. 
you know, be it money, material, health. The Lord spoke the universe into existence with the power of his word. He made all things. We sing a song. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. Is there anything too hard for God? Most of us have lived long enough to experience pretty much all sorts of needs. And a lot of those times, honestly, when you're looking at them in the natural, they're impossible. All things are possible with God. What's not possible with man is possible with God. There's no way to express his love, his power, his care. He sees the beginning from the end. He's already there. There's nothing we've ever faced, we face now, or will ever face that he doesn't have. Just trust him. I know it's easy to say, especially for others that are in your shoes. I've been there. But when it's all said and done, that's what, that's what it comes down to. Just trust him. Because there's things that are needed that you can't do anything. You can't do anything. You can't, you can't do it. God can't. Family? Whatever. Lord, we thank you. We don't grasp how awesome you are. We, we don't grasp your holiness, your power, your love, your mercy, grace, favor. Lord, we love you. Lord, we need you. There is no help or hope but you. And thank you that you are our good, good father. And thank you that we are loved by you. And Jesus, thank you for coming. Father, thank you for giving your son. Jesus, thank you for coming and laying your life down. And thank you that you didn't leave us comfortless. You sent Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Reign in our hearts, reign in our lives. Speak to us, remind us of the words of Jesus. Take us to the word, the right scriptures. Help us to say the right things to the right people at the right time. And hear the right things from the right people at the right time. Be glorified in our lives. Thank you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. You are in charge. We need that. We need to put him in charge. We need to allow him to be in charge. Keep us safe from the devil and the world. Deliver our children. Save souls. Let your kingdom rule. Thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us to learn to take every step, every breath from you as we allow you to take control of every situation in our life. You are in charge, Lord Jesus, and we need to let you be. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would keep us safe from the devil. Help us to learn how to wake up every morning with our armor intact, Lord, and to learn to be ready to fight. Because sometimes it's going to take everything we got to fight off what he's going to throw at us. We thank you that you are going to protect us from this world that is trying to take away your authority in our lives, Lord Jesus. As many of you have heard me say before, we have more power in our little pinky than the devil has over our lives, and we need to take that power. We need to fight what he's trying to do to us in the name of Jesus. We need to take control of what he's trying to do to our families and our children 
He does not belong in our homes, in our children's lives. He does not belong in our churches. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would cover them. Cover them. And if they do not know you, Lord Jesus, give them a hunger. Give them a hunger. Give us the right words. Put people in their lives, whatever it takes, Lord Jesus, to bring them to your kingdom. And the souls that need you, Lord Jesus. There are so many souls out there who are hungry right now because they're so fearful. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would put us in the right spots to speak to those people. And Lord, let your kingdom rule. That's the only thing that's going to get us through all this, Lord, is if we allow your kingdom to rule in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. Thank you for what we are through you. We are nothing without you, Lord. Nothing. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. His kingdom come. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Third point, he wants us to always be joyful. Because in verse 4, he tells us that he has been making every prayer, making request, with all joy. With all joy. You know, I believe uh, one of the hardest things to do in the universe, I believe, is to pray with joy and thanksgiving. It's hard. It's hard because we are so fitted for negativity. And it's so hard to be positive. Be anxious for nothing but in prayer and supplication with your request made known to God with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious. But wait a minute, Lord, that's why I'm praying. Because I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm scared, I'm filled with fear. It, it, it was like the, uh, the sinking ship's captain, and he said to the, to the crew and to the passengers, does anyone know how to pray? And a minister stood up and said, yes, I know how to pray. And the captain said, okay, everyone else get your life jacket on. Pastor, we're short one. <laughs> so start praying. But that's sort of the where, where we're at, right? I mean, it's like, I'm in this horrible situation, God. And, and so we rehearse over and over and over and over and over. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, Paul says in, the, in Ephesians 6. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. You know what that verse literally says? It literally is worshiping with all worship while you pray. Worshiping with all worship while you pray. It is so hard for us to do that. <clears throat> Because we're so negative, we just want to come into his presence and rehearse the problem over and over and over again to make sure that he heard what we said, because he might have missed us. So we repeat it over and over and over and over. Each time we open our checkbook or each time the pain hits our body, we rehearse it over and over and over again. We've got to remember to do it with joy and with thanksgiving. We are wrapped, uh, that joy and that thanksgiving have to be wrapped up in our prayer. I asked it a couple weeks ago, I mentioned it. Have you ever worshipped him through tears? Have you ever adored him while in the midst of agony? Has your broken heart ever been filled with joy at the same time? If that's true, then you are praying with all supplication. 
and you're praying with all worship, you are constantly worshiping. So no matter what we do, as we're praying, as we're thinking, as we're praying, and I'll tell you what, always thinking, that can just, that can just drive you into negativity, can it? If you're thinking about the wrong thing, if you're thinking about your own weakness, if you're thinking about your own problems, it can drive you into weakness. But we're always thinking the word, we are always praying, and we are always joyful. And then finally, we'll close on this, finally, we are never stopping, never stopping until the day of Christ. I believe Paul was saying this because it was a continuing fellowship. This fellowship began when they sent him a love offering. And from the beginning, Lydia, the seller of purple, and others, they were, they were with Paul, and they, they fell in love with Paul, and they sent this love offering him. And it was a continuing fellowship all the way up through the beginning of the church there, and all that time, it was a continuing fellowship. It was a participating fellowship. He says in verse 10 of the fourth chapter, your care for me has flourished. Verse 14 of that chapter, you shared in my distress. Uh, Even in the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians the ninth chapter, your zeal for giving has stirred up the majority. Isn't that something? It's all about giving money. Isn't that carnal? Isn't that so earthy? No, no, it's not. It's not, I, I was, as, as you know, I was finishing up some, uh, uh, some work in the schools, and I was with one particular teacher for, uh, oh, just a few months, and she's a young teacher, has some young kids and everything, babies and stuff, and, and I just felt, uh, at the end, I just got a card, and I, I just wrote a nice note to her, thanking her for working with her, et cetera, and I put a $20 bill in it. You say, well, why'd you do that? Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, what if she doesn't this or what if she uses it to go buy vodka (laughs) or what if she uses it I don't care that's not my responsibility my responsibility is to give let God take care of the rest so we just keep we we keep giving and you know what's interesting about 2 Corinthians 9 and and, and as I say I'll close on this 2 Corinthians 9 he talks about giving 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 money 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 then the 10th chapter guess what he does he jumps right into spiritual warfare Think there's a connection? Listen, when God owns everything in you, everything, that's when you can begin to engage in spiritual warfare. When you're holding back and you're saying, no, 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 God, you don't belong, that doesn't belong to you and this doesn't belong to you. When you're doing that, then all of a sudden you're going to find yourself in another kind of spiritual warfare. But to those that give and share and love and are always, always, always praying, always seeking, Paul says you're going to be engaged in a spiritual war. Listen, we are in a spiritual war and never forget it is a war and never stop until you win the war. Never stop until you see his face at the end. Whether it's closing the casket lid or whether it's him cracking the sky, whatever it is, never ever stop. Always keep praying. Always keep believing, always keep worshiping, always keep giving, never, ever, ever stop. In spite of all of his failures and weaknesses, Abraham did not stop. He raised the knife up to plunge into his son's chest, knowing that even if he did it and, and that child Isaac died, it would not be over. That's not the end, because the word said he did not consider his own dead body, nor the barren womb of his wife Sarah. But contrary to hope, he believed in hope and was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able 
to perform. Never stop because God's still working. Joshua and Caleb did not throw up their hands and say, oh, well, all is lost. We're with a bunch of losers. They didn't want to go into Canaan land, so we're going to give up. Nope. They said, we will wait for decades, and then we will be stronger then than we are now, and we're going to go in and take the land. We're not going to stop until our feet are on top of that mountain. David, after all of his murder and rape and deception and horrible things that he did, he prayed to God, restore, restore, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Restore it back to me, God. I'm not done yet. I want to keep going. Jeremiah, the prophet, said, I will not make mention of of, of God's name, nor will I speak his name. But all of a sudden, the word became in my heart a fire, and I could not stop, but began to speak. Don't stop. And of course, we know this Jesus that we serve set his face as a flint. He is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of God the Father. Never stop, never stop, never stop. Run to the roar. Run to the mouth of the lion. Don't run away from him. Run toward him. Because I guarantee you, you take that first step and he's going to turn his tail and run. Because that's what the Bible says. Resist the devil and he will. Resist your flesh and it's gone in 10 seconds, right? (laughs) Resist the devil and he's gone. But take that flesh into control and fight the war, and never stop. I have seen so many believers stop for so many silly things over the years. And I have seen so many believers continue on in spite of things that I would have stopped myself. But they don't give up. So don't stop. Always thinking the word. Always praying always, always, always seeking him, always giving, always, and never stopping till we're before the throne. That's Paul's message to us as his servants, the Lord's servants, the Lord's slaves, under new ownership, we just continue to go. Father, we thank you so much for those words of encouragement. We thank you for hearing our brothers and sisters pray and asking your kingdom come asking release from the enemy, asking for protection and deliverance. We need that. We're not ashamed to ask for it. Father, I'm not ashamed every day to get into my vehicle and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you're going to fill this tank in a miraculous way. I'm not ashamed at all to stand in a grocery store and say, Father, you're going to give me everything I need to stay alive. I don't care what the prices are. I don't care what's happening. You're going to give me everything I need. I don't know how you're going to do it, I don't know the manner or the method, but I know that I'm going to think the thoughts you want me to think. Thoughts of victory, thoughts of praise, thoughts of joy, and I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. So I thank you for that, Father. Keep us there. Because this is what the world needs to see. This is what we need to see in each other. Your perseverance, your love, your protection, your guidance. And we're not going to stop. We believe it and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together. You know, <clears throat> I said it last week, and I said it again this week, that we are under, we have a new owner. Have you ever 
seen a business somewhere, you know, you see it says under new ownership. And have you ever seen a business that maybe you didn't like too well? You never went there. You didn't like the owner. You didn't like something. And then you drive by. You never went there. You drive by and now you see under new ownership. That makes me want to go, hey, maybe I'll go try them out this time. Everybody in the world right now is looking for a new owner. They don't know it. They're looking for Jesus. They're looking for a new owner. And we're under his ownership, folks. So I believe it's about time we act like it. Amen? Not children of fear, not children of doubt, not children of worry. We've got it all, folks. And we've got to start thinking that way. In Jesus' name. Go forth praising him. Bless him. Greet one another in Jesus' name.